This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks is Rick Siegmund. Rick Siegmund. He is stuck brick and mortar business. That is his focus. So congratulations, Rick. If you guys want to win 100 bucks every Monday on the show, in order to enter, simply subscribe to the show on iTunes now and then text the word Nathan to 33444. Again, text the word Nathan to 33444. Folks, many of you reach out to me and you say, Nathan, so many guests on your show talk about the importance of batching. But whenever I try and batch, you tell me this. You go, Nathan, they don't book back-to-back times. So you, or they don't show up after they book. It's frustrating. The answer is, guys, you have to use smart tools. I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling at nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. I'll tell you specifically how I use it later on in the episode. Nathan Lacta here, and this is episode 547. Coming up tomorrow morning, I dive into the fintech space with Manuel Silva, who's a partner at Santander InnoVentures. It's a $200 million fintech fund. They're very bullish on one of their investments, Cabbage. We'll break down why and where he sees fintech going. All right, guys, Nathan Latka here. Our guest today is Glenn Coates. He is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Handshake. They focus on putting the right product on every shelf in every store. It goes between Sydney, San Diego, and New York City. Glenn, are you ready to take us to the top? Totally. All right, man. Thanks for having me on the show, Nathan. Thanks for jumping on. So it's not going to be easy. You know that, right? It's going to be tough. Oh, I'm I'm well aware. I've, I've been at this for long <laughs> enough to know that... Um, I get to choose, uh, what's that quip from the uh, Evernote guy? I get to pick any 23 hours a day that I'd like to work. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so tell us what Handshake does and what's your business model? How do you make money? Great. So uh, as you kind of just pointed out, um, Handshake is about getting the right product to every shelf uh, in the world. Um, and so that's, you know, think about every store you've ever gone into, whether it was a shoe store or a grocery store or the hardware store, all the products on those shelves that we buy as consumers, how did they get there? Well, the way they get there is that the upstream suppliers have to sell them into those stores. And the thing that most people don't know is that even though for you and I, Nathan, the world of buying things, ordering things has become the world of Amazon. You know, if I want to order a car, I pick up my phone and I order an Uber. If I want to order food, I pick up my phone and I order Seamless. The world that you and I are in, where we get to order things really easily, that world, one step back in the supply chain is totally broken. And it's all pen and paper and phone, fax, email. Imagine if we went back to the 80s and instead of ordering something from Amazon, I had to pick up a mail order catalog and send in a form to order a pair of shoes from you know the place that I wanted to buy it. So that's the world that those businesses are still in. Mm-hmm. And so what Handshake does is we basically bring that Amazon-like uh, modern technology-powered um, buying and selling experience to businesses so that when the shoe store wants to order um, 100 pairs of shoes from their supplier, they get the same experience that you and I would get if we were ordering one pair of shoes from you know, Zappos or Amazon.com. And so um, we really have two lines of business that we, that we uh, 
that we go to market with. Um, one is Handshake Rep, mm-hmm. which is primarily mobile apps used by um, sales reps who are working on behalf of the brands, the manufacturers, the distributors to sell that product into the stores. And so we're replacing their paper catalogs, their order forms, all that kind of old school stuff with a modern mobile app uh, for selling. And then the flip side of the coin is um, we make Handshake Direct, which is a mobile and web-based e-commerce product for B2B. And so, um, you know, when the sales rep's not around and that um, convenience store has sold out of Hershey bars and they want to reorder the Hershey bars from the distributor, um, instead of picking up the phone and calling their rep or faxing the order form into the into the warehouse, they can pick up their mobile phone, scan the product from the shelf and just reorder it from the distributor the same way that you and I would order an Uber. And what's your, and what's so, your business model? So how do you make money? Who, who's paying for what? Right. So we're, we're a SaaS business. Um, uh, we sell to the manufacturers and distributors. And so we really have two sets of users. We have the, the manufacturers and distributors, and then we have their customers who are logging into our products. But we, uh, we work with the manufacturers and distribu- distributors to, um, to sell to them. So we, we have, in many ways, a similar business model to a sales force where we're selling you know, per year, um, per user or per website in the case of our e-commerce product um, licensing, you know, the same as most SaaS and companies so today. what is kind of, for, so how, what year did you launch the business in? Uh, we got going, uh, you know, I started working on Handshake in about 2010. We got our first customers in 2011. Okay. And what was first year revenue? <laughs> how embarrassing. I can't even remember. Yeah, it was, it wasn't much. I'll put it that way. Uh, <laughs> It was in the it was in the, probably in the thousands or tens of thousands, you know, less of than, MRR. Less it was than ten thousand. I, I honestly can't even remember. By the end of twenty eleven, I, I couldn't even tell you. We were probably doing ten thousand, twenty thousand a month, something like that, back in the day. Got it. Yeah. And then if you fast forward us to where you're at today, how many customers are you serving? It's December twenty sixteen. Yeah, so we work with over a thousand companies today um, out there in the market in in different industries. We have customers in you know food and beverage, in you know apparel and footwear, in you know the outdoor sporting goods industry. Glenn, is that thousand uh, number though? Is that users or is that paying customers? No, that's companies. Okay, that's actual pe- companies. They're paying you with their credit cards. They're actively using you, etc. Right. Okay, yep. and it sounds like ways that you're kind of driving MRR expansion, ARPU expansion is depending on number of seats. Are there any kind of value-based, other value-based metrics you're using to charge more per company? Um, so we, the, the pricing model for um, our sales rep product is pretty straightforward. It's it's very Salesforce-like, you know, per seat per per year. Um, on the e-commerce side, look, there's a lot of variables in um, in the complexity of the of the of the experience that someone needs, like all these industries work in very different ways. Um, so the pricing on that is, is kind of made to order, I guess, I guess you could say. Um, but we don't have what you would think of as like, um, we're not inside the transaction. If that, if yeah. that's what you mean, we don't charge a per transaction fee. Um, we don't take a cut, uh, like that. So on, on average, what, what is one of these business paying you guys per month? Uh, it varies. We have, um, Today we really have two kinds of customers. We have like we have a small business kind of channel that is probably more the kind of QuickBooks based business, or maybe they're running zero or something like that. Mm-hmm. And those companies pay us 
you know, uh, it, there's a range, but probably so- somewhere from sort of five to twenty thousand dollars a year for the smaller businesses, um, and then the larger businesses that we work with pay us, you know, kind of go from there up, right? So kind of mid five figures up into kind of lower six figures um, is is where our customer base goes for the kind of bigger companies. So take take me through. You said twenty eleven, maybe you got up to ten k in MRR. What will December twenty sixteen MRR be? Uh, I'm going to decline to answer that question. Or give me, give, give me, <laughs> give me a range so they kind of know generally where you're at and be as vague as you want. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're, we are in the series B stage SaaS company range. So we are probably approaching what a, um, typical growth investor would consider the beginning of like a growth stage SaaS company. And what is that number? I've talked to many folks that have raised a series B that have our pre-revenue. Right. So most, uh, a lot of growth stage investors talk about like kind of 10 million in ARR okay. as being, you know, you know, where they kind of find their sweet spot. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in that kind of scale range. <laughs> so, I mean, it's fair to say, again, be as specific or general as you want. Fair to say 800 grand in MRR plus or minus 100 grand, something like that. Uh, without being specific, you know, we're in, we're in the order of magnitude. I thought you were going to say without being specific, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I like this guy. All right, so good. That's helpful to understand. Um, so, kind of big range. Is everything you're selling annual contracts, or is there any folks actually paying monthly? Um, we used to have monthly contracts. Um, we we sort of sunset those about about a year ago now, um, and we we let some of the companies that were on those monthly contracts from kind of back in the day. Um, stay on them as a kind of good guy, um, you know, kind of a good guy gesture. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of grandfathered some of the older customers in, but um, today all of our contracts are annual. And what have you, you mentioned you're thinking about series B right now, or you've already raised a series B. How much money have you raised to date? Uh, it's about 24 million, 24, 25 million, something like that. And is that inclusive or exclusive of a series B? That was including our Series B. So the three rounds that we raised were a one and a half million dollar seed round, an eight million dollar Series A, and then a fourteen million dollar Series B. And what? When did you close the Series B? Uh, in February of this year. So you know, ten months ago now. Okay, so you're either right now, uh, you're you're either raising another round of funding, or you're in the middle of acquisition talks. Which one is it? Uh, no, neither. You know, we're, we're only 10 minutes. We're only 10 <laughs> look, at me, look at me with a straight face and say neither. <laughs> no, I can't look at you with a straight face and say neither. We're, we're not, we're not talking about either. We were fortunate enough to raise uh, a healthy amount of money at the, um, at the last round. And, um, we're in hardcore execution mode. Like we are, you know, I, I kind of glossed a little bit over our, what our product is before, you know, I kind of said, well, we do this sales thing and we do this e-commerce thing, but you know, if you think about what we do, you know, it's we we make uh, a really complex B2B e-commerce solution that works on the web and it works on native mobile. That's really hard. And then it's integrated on top of a platform that also supports sales reps using an integrated sales automation tool that is running off the same data. And then that platform that sits underneath all of it um, has really advanced customization features in it, kind of similar to like a force.com that allows people to build in their own custom data types and their own business logic and even customize the UI of the application, which works on web and mobile. So this thing we're building is um, 
it's no mean feat. It's not a uh, it's not a weekend Twitter clone project, and um, so uh, we are building out the platform. You're I mean, throwing this is- some shade on all those weekend hackers. <laughs> Hey man, if you want to learn like Swift or Go or whatever like new language came up that you know build a Twitter clone, but you know, it's great for doing that. <laughs> but um, yeah, this thing we're building is really big, and we are in hardcore execution mode. Yeah. So you guys, those of you watching, and by the way, you may or may not know this, we're now publishing episodes of the top, not just on iTunes but also on YouTube. So you can go check this out. But you can see once you raise twenty four million bucks, you look over Glenn's shoulder. They have these fucking whiteboards with lighting tracks across the top of them. I mean, what the hell is this? These are not. That's how you. That's how you know I've made it. These are not IKEA. These are not IKEA whiteboards. (laughs) Glenn, what's your team size? Where are you guys at? Uh, I think we're at about seventy people right now. Seven zero or one seven. Seven zero. And where are they based? Uh, They're almost all in New York. We have uh, we have one team member up in Toronto. We have one team member out in Fort Worth. But we are for the most part, a New York city based company. And give us kind of a general breakdown. How much dev, how much sales, how many support? Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, the product and engineering group is, uh, I think is probably 20 people give or take at this point between design, engineering, product management, those kind of people, okay. um, you know, sales teams, probably 20 people, something like that, you know, support, the service and professional services teams like customer success and all that stuff is probably 15 people marketing GNA on top of that. So it's, it's a pretty balanced like company for a, you know, a SaaS product and go to market strategy. Yeah. Okay, good. That's helpful to understand. Let, go, let's go back to economics for two seconds here. Uh, you've raised uh-huh. capital, which means you have a pretty good idea of how to use money to get more customers, right? Where to spend money to get, you know, customer acquisition. Um, I know right. you have kind of, it sounds like you have two very distinct cohorts, you know, one's mm-hmm. under 50 grand ACV, one's above 50 grand ACV. But generally mm-hmm. speaking, what do you project in kind of your board decks and your assumption cells and Excel sheets, the lifetime value of one of your businesses or customers? Well, I mean, the lifetime, I don't think that much about lifetime value because okay. that, that, that depends a lot on how much you're paying, right? And different cohorts are behave differently. What, what I think about, and what a lot of the the SaaS um, the SaaS investors and you know the kind of people who are thinking really uh, well about economics are thinking about payback period, right? Because that's the kind of that's the uh, the the kind of speed limit on how fast you can grow and like what the cash efficiency of the business is. And so a lot of what we're spending time on right now is thinking about how can we get our payback period into a place that we feel um, is right for the business, is the right blend between um, growing fast because the faster you try to grow, like the more sales reps you hire, well, every time you hire a sales rep, they've got a, you know, six month ramp in front of them where, you know, they're collecting a base salary, but they're probably not delivering that much new revenue. And so the faster you go on that side, the worse your payback period gets because you're supporting a larger go to market team. But you've got all annual contracts though, right? You're pulling on most of that cash forward unless your payback period is more than 12 months. Right. But, Yes, but a rep doesn't immediately start closing business when they show up on day one, right? Like you've got to train them, you know? So like how far you dial that needle up and down is like, if you're more conservative with your reps, then more of your reps are like, if you don't hire as many, more of them are ramped at any point in time. So they're the amount of cash they're generating versus the amount they're costing is more favorable to the business. But the less reps you hire, like that's going to slow down top line, right? So 
that's the line you walk is like how fast do you um, make investments in go to market, whether it be sales reps, sales leadership, you know, the services team that has to support that. It's a very tough line to walk to to find the right balance between the top line growth trajectory that that you want and the payback period that comes with that. What are you aiming right now in terms of uh, kind of target growth rate month over month in terms of uh, revenue growth? You know, for a SaaS company at our stage, like, you know, doubling every year is the kind of gold standard. So that's the standard we hold ourselves to. Um, so you want to be doing you want to be doing 100 percent growth per year. I think, you know, with what's gone on in the in the kind of public markets, you know, what's happened to like SaaS valuation multiples in the, in the past year and the kind of the swing probably a little bit away from like growth at all costs towards, you know, a little bit more of like profitability like fiscal uh, responsibility um you know for me at this point i care more about delivering 100% growth with a better payback period than i care about delivering 200% growth with like a terrible payback will you period. do that in 2016 100% year over year growth from 2015 yeah 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 that's how we're we're measuring the business like quarter to quarter like those are the numbers we look at is like we want to be always looking at that quarterly growth rate and making sure that it's pointing to us doubling. And then what do you, you talk about payback period, how many months are you kind of, where would you get concerned so like, if payback period was more than X months, where would it show up a red flag for you? Well, if you look at like what the market considers a red flag, I think if you, if you talk to the, the venture community and the guys who really know this stuff, you know, they're going to flag a payback period that's like greater than two years as you know probably a bit of a problem yep. um and uh that doesn't mean you can't sustain that business because if you've got a customer lifetime that's more than two more than that then you will eventually get paid back but it just it's just cash intensive because it just you've got a longer cash outlay before it comes back in through the door so it makes the business more expensive to scale if you look at companies like salesforce at the scale they're at like they're going for a payback period that's around about a year. I think Salesforce might be like 11 months or something like that. So they managed to just kind of nod, nudge underneath that. Um, but when you're trying to like drive pretty aggressive growth, like keeping your payback period, you know, between a year and two years is kind of in that sort of healthy range. Yep. Um, if you can get it down towards a year, that's like really nice. Um, so that's kind of, the, you know, my world is we want to be at 100% growth. And then given that, let's get the payback period as low as we can. Like right now, you know, trying to get it between a year and a year and a half is where I feel comfortable with the business. You okay, know? last few questions here before we get wrap up with the famous five. Um, are you burning more or less than half a million bucks in cash per month right now? Can't disclose. How much runway do you like to have in the bank before you start thinking about another raise? I think you've always got to give yourself at least six months to raise money. Like, you know, from the start of like seriously starting conversations, but Frankly, like, you know, it's as the CEO, it's your job to always sort of be raising money, like even if it's passively. But I think once you begin an actual process, you want to give yourself six months at a minimum. My question, though, is uh, let's I'm making this up. I don't know your numbers. Let's say you have uh, uh, 17 million left in the bank right now. You're burning. Uh, I'm making this up a million in cash per month. That's a 17 mm -hmm. month kind of runway. What mm -hmm. what amount of runway do you feel comfortable where you can dedicate 100% of your time on execution versus going out in a raise and raising? All oh, right. How much runway do I have to like not, how much runway do I need to have to not even be thinking about raising? Correct. Like when you go out and raise a new round, you don't want to have to go raise yep. six months later. When you raise a new round, how many right. months of burn are you oh, raising for? 
Right. Yeah. Usually we've raised for a couple of years. Oh, wow. Like that's been like we want to have each time we've raised money, it's like bought us basically two years of runway. Got it. Um, so yeah, I think you, you really need to start thinking about run raising when you've got a year of runway, but like the real, like you're out there pounding the pavement stuff is probably when you're into the last six months. Ignore expansion revenue and upsells gross customer churn annually. Where's that at? Yeah, so that's a really interesting story for us. Like as we've moved up market, right? So like if you look at Handshake three years ago, almost all of our customer base would have been, or much more of our customer base would have been in the SMB category. Um, and as we've moved up market, um, churn has come down a lot, right? Because, you know, small businesses just go out of business more often. Um, From what and- to what, what was it when you were almost exclusively small business and where to come down to? Yeah, I mean, it, it would fluctuate a lot. The other thing about small businesses and back in the day when we had monthly contracts, you know, you could see seasonal fluctuations where they're like, well, you know, I want to use you for my selling season in January, but I don't really need you in April and I'll come back in July. And so we would see, you know, months that if you annualized the the churn rate could be, you know, there'd be months where it would be in excess of 50%, yep. right? Like that's a lot. I mean, not in the one month, but annualized yep. it would be. You're talking, you're talking, you know, five, you know, the five percent monthly four, churn. Five, yeah, 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 four or five, something hard like that. Hard to build that. a business on that. Right, really hard to build business. So the two things that we did to kind of combat that um, were one is moving to annual contracts, right, which helps smooth that out. And yeah, maybe some of the guys who would have only paid you for three months of the year don't buy anymore, but that's you know that's the price you pay for a more healthy kind of unit economic space. Um, and then, but just moving up markets. So like today, we're selling to. Um, you know, companies, I would say our sweet spot today is companies that are selling, you know, that, that have between, you know, say a hundred and a, and 2000 employees. Okay. Um, we don't do a huge amount of business today. That's like smaller you know, than big, that. Big, well, big, big enterprise. Um, and, and we're doing less business that's smaller than that. Um, you know, and churn now has come down to, you know, I think we cut it down from, you know, an annualized rate in the range of, you know, 40 to 50% in some quarters, you know, it's down in the teens now heading towards, you know, the kind of gold standard you want to be at is around nine, 10% annually annualized. Yeah. 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 That's great. So we're kind of, we're in the teens now, which, which feels a lot better than like 40 to 50 and then it's kind of going down and that, that feels pretty good. And that's gross customer churn. If you add in upsells, are you guys at net, net negative revenue churn yet? Yeah, we're, we've always had net negative revenue churn because like the things for us is like, you know, they might buy a couple of sales rep licenses and then they can always add more sales rep licenses and that tends to happen. And then they might say, great, the sales rep, our sales reps are loving this. Let's get your e-commerce thing to give to our customers. So we have a lot of both like seat expansion and product expansion kind of opportunity. So our net churn has always been great. It's always been negative. Um it's just like that gross churn number, you know, even with a really good net negative churn story, you don't want to have a big, uh, gr- sorry, a net, and, you know, even with a negative net churn story, you still don't want to have a big gross churn story. Yeah, you want your underlying gro- high gross churn is maybe a leading indicator to future not negative net revenue right. churn. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> it's, a, it's a leading indicator. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if, if Amazon came to you today, offered you 120 million bucks for the business, do you sell? Uh, no. You're so full of shit. <laughs> like you can't no, even I wouldn't. Get... I just did the math in my head. All right. Uh, what math were you doing? 
I, I think the business is worth a lot more than that, even today. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the long-term potential is many times that. Guys, I get asked all the time, Nathan, you post all these interviews, hundreds of them per month. How do you do them efficiently? And guys, the answer is simple. People always agree to my calendar, back-to-back meetings. I batch my interviews to stay very efficient. And the way that I do it is I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. And the reason I use them is very simple. They keep my no-show rate very low because they send out reminders about when the interview or the meeting is coming up. And also they make it very easy to schedule time, right? I don't have to go back and forth via email 10,000 times with people I'm trying to meet with. Okay, at nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. Helps me so much. And by the way, look, I like have so many meetings. I'm the best at meetings. Okay, I do them back to back. Very, very efficient. You guys know me. Many people say I'm the most efficient they've ever seen. Okay, so I use the tool. It's so efficient. And by the way, I got Gavin. I said, Gavin, he's the CEO. I said, I want a great deal for my people. He said, Nathan, well, most people get a 14-day trial. Isn't that great? I said, no. He's giving us a 45-day free trial at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. That's not going to stay up forever, so go get it now. NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. Yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, let me throw you some softballs. I've given you some tough stuff. Famous five here. These are one-word answers, Glenn. You ready? Yeah. First one, what's your favorite business book? Ah, oh, favorite business book. Um, I'd say Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or, or studying right now? Um, honestly, I would say uh, Dave Yarnold, who's a bit of a mentor to mine. He was the, he is the CEO of ServiceMax. They just exited to GE uh, a couple of weeks ago. Congrats, Dave, if you're listening. Um, but Dave's been a really great mentor to me, and I, and I really uh, look up to him. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have, like TopTel? Uh, my favorite online tool, I don't know if this counts, is is probably Boomerang for Gmail. Mm-hmm. Yep, let's go to number four. Yes or no, do you get eight hours of sleep every night? Yeah, religiously. I'm, uh, I'm, I don't deal well with not getting sleep. I turn into, I'm, I'm already a cranky pretty angry son of a bitch most of the time anyway uh if i go below eight hours it gets really rough to be around me <laughs> what's your situation <laughs> married single do you have kids uh i am uh, i'm not married but i'm i have a long-term partner got it uh, no kids then no and kids how, how old are you i'm 35 30 yeah, all right 35. don't think about it last last <laughs> last question take us back 15 years what do you wish your 20 year old self knew Oh, I wish my 20 year old self knew. I wish my 20 year old self knew uh, how intense uh, running this company was going to be and spent a lot more time making music and going surfing. <laughs> Top drive. There you have it from Glenn Coates, CEO of Handshake. He would have surfed more if he knew how intense it is to really build a long lasting and look, they're having a lot of success uh, in their business. Over 24 million bucks raised to date, serving over a thousand uh, customers. They like to stay under a year in terms of payback period, but not sacrificing 100% year over year growth. Somewhere around, can confirm, but somewhere around 800 grand of monthly recurring revenue is what a Series B or Series C-ish company is looking at. They've got 80 folks uh, or 70 folks between uh, in based in New York City, again, making it easier for stores to get what they need and really deal with their supply chains and their product supply chains. Glenn Coates, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan. If you enjoyed Glenn today, go back and listen to Josh yesterday. 
His podcast, The Pitch, made 80 grand in its first year sponsorship revenue and passed 700,000 downloads. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.